Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. And Peter preached his first sermon, and 3,000 people were added to the church, and the Holy Spirit filled them. He could see people getting saved, so he set his face like a flint, and nothing deterred him from doing what God has called him to do. And if you are betrayed, nothing can deter you from doing what God has called you to do. Now, I'm talking to you from years of experience here. Of, of being betrayed, quite honestly. And it hurts, especially by those who you walked in the house of the Lord together. And you were in ministry together. And you served the Lord together. And you, you did the work of the kingdom together. And then all of a sudden, ambition. I've seen it happen. Ambition. Pulpit envy. Those lights all of a sudden shine on this pulpit. Bling. And they go, man, I, I could do that. I want to be a pastor. And many times they call themselves. God didn't call them. And I pity them. And it becomes a problem. And, 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 and I've been betrayed. And it hurts. But I can tell you something. You know what has got me through it? What has got me through it is this. Jesus was betrayed. Do I think I'm better than him? No. Y'all said that way too eagerly. Um, <laughs> But but you're right. (laughs) No. And secondly, the reality is, no matter what anybody says, and no matter what anybody does, Sunday's coming. I got to be ready for the pulpit and to preach the word of God, no matter what. So it doesn't matter what anybody says. I got to be here. And I got to focus on the word of God. And let folks be who they are and let them say what they're going to say. Let me tell you something. You're always going to have naysayers. If Jesus had it, you're going to have it too. And if what you're doing is being a blessing and making a difference in the kingdom of God, then you can count on being hurt. You can count on opposition. Opposition should be the thing to tell us that we're doing what God has called us to do. Because if you were, then Satan wouldn't, be, wouldn't, wouldn't care anything about you. He wouldn't be mindful of you. So sometimes I think we need to refocus and look at opposition and look at betrayal and look at persecution as something that the Lord is sending, not because somebody is doing something bad to you, but that God is using it to refine you, to make you better at what he has called you to do. Right? So it will happen. Every single one of us will be betrayed, just like Jesus. But it didn't turn him away. And talk about grace. Even at the Last Supper, Jesus hands Judas the sop, which was a token of, of, to the guest of honor, showing that Judas was still a friend. I mean, think about that. 
Now, I mean, you've got to be honest. I mean, I personally, honestly, keeping it real, Pastor Ronnie has not learned that yet. I have not, you know that verse that says, you know, if somebody slaps one cheek, turn and give them the other one. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm working on being like Jesus. Don't judge me. Pray for me. I'm working on, but I'm not, I haven't gotten there yet. If you slap me on the cheek, I don't know what's going to happen. You might come up missing. You might come up on a milk cart, and I don't know. I'm, I don't know what happened. I'm just keeping it real. I'm a pastor, y'all. Don't. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? You know, or somebody betrays you, and here's what Jesus does. Somebody betrays you, and you go, here's a piece of bread, brother. I mean, who does that except Jesus? Who does this? Y'all wouldn't do it. You know it. You're not spiritual. I can see it. None of you are spiritual. None of you. Who does this? Only Jesus. Peter told us that when Jesus was reviled, he didn't revile back. Verses 7 through 13, we already just read it. Jesus has given instructions to Peter and John to prepare for the Passover in his final hours. And in verse 9, they said, Jesus, where do you want us to set everything up? And Jesus said, go into town and you're going to see a guy walk by with a pitcher of water on his head. And Jesus said, follow him and whatever house he goes in, you go in that same house. Now, I think that's a funny, funny scene. This guy's walking. He's got a pitcher of water and he walks into a house and Peter and John, they're like, you know, we're just going to do what Jesus said. So they see this guy walking. He walks into the house and they walk in right behind him. They just walk in. Didn't even, hey, excuse me, I'll come, come, come in. Uh, nothing, they just walk in. The guy's standing there, all of a sudden he looks behind them and they're like, what? I mean, it's just a funny scene to me. I mean, and then Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus said, you will see a man bearing a pitcher of water. So the man is probably a servant because getting water, listen, was a woman's job. If the husband said, honey, I'm thirsty, she would say, no problem. Get the pitcher, go down to the well, and get him some water. Come back up, give him a glass of water. He'd finish off that. He'd go drink that up. You know, honey, I think I want another glass of water. She'd get the pitcher. She'd go back down there. She'd get the water. She'd come back up. You see, the woman is supposed to do what the man tells them to Oh, you got ladies walking out, Lord. (laughs) Woo, that didn't go well. (laughs) No, I'm sure they left for another reason. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, so don't you think so, fellas? Where my fellas at? Man, y'all left me by myself. Y'all left me. Tim, 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 that's my boy. Man, y'all left me by myself. Some of y'all wives sitting there going, go ahead and raise your hand. Raise raise it. Raise it. Raise it. I dare you. I'll slap you in the house of God. Y'all left me by myself. Look at verse 14 through 20. We got to wrap it up here. I'm telling you how to ram folk out the church. Lord Jesus, y'all pray. <laughs> look at verse 14. If you're looking at verse 14, say amen. amen. 
And then when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And then he said to them in verse 15, watch this, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. The disciples did exactly what Jesus told them to do, and that's to get everything ready. And the 12, including Judas, sat down with Jesus. Now, in verse 15, Jesus said, with passionate, and here's the idea in the Greek language, with passionate, heated up desire, I have desired, look at verse 15, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffered. Did you get that? This Passover. Then Jesus said this Passover because this Passover is the Passover that all other Passovers pointed to. Think about this. This is the last Passover. This is the last Passover he will ever take until he takes it again in the kingdom of God. And so this Passover is the last Passover that he'll ever take. And it's this last Passover that pointed to every other Passover prior to this. All the other feasts and the Passovers were a shadow of this Passover. The death of the lamb, the blood sacrifice of the lamb. Sprinkled upon the altar, the blood and the priests coming out to pronounce forgiveness and sins upon the people. And the people are forgiven because of the blood of the lamb. Don't you remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said the first words out of his mouth were, behold, the lamb of God. Jesus is that Passover. He is that sacrificial lamb. And all the other Passovers pointed to this Passover. That's why in verse 15. He says, I've been longing to eat this Passover before I suffer. And I won't eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus said, the next time we do this, it will be in heaven together at the marriage supper of the lamb. Jesus said, we're going to have this Passover, but the next time we have it, it will be in heaven. The next time we have it, it will be at this super big, huge potluck that's going to go so long. The marriage supper of the Lamb, I hope you plan to be there. It's going to be so long. I'm going to wait. I hope you plan to be there. The marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. Next time in heaven. And at that marriage supper, at that potluck, Abraham's going to be there. Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, 
Peter told us a few weeks ago, didn't he, that Rahab would be at that marriage supper of the Lamb? Listen, your loved ones, all that died in Christ Jesus, in, in, in Christ will be there. Those that died from sickness and those that died from cancer, they'll all be there. See, that's the hope you have as a believer. You see, as believers, we have the hope of heaven. I want you to clap your hands right there. We have the hope of heaven. I have... I've done um, um, funerals, memorial services, home goings, whatever you want to call them. I have done them for non-believers, and I've done them for believers. And I can tell you there is a stark difference between the two. Non-believers, when you don't know the Lord, you don't have any hope. And their loved ones who didn't know the Lord, who lived their lives for themselves, and they know that. Everybody wants to talk about they're going to a better place. And that is comforting to comfort yourself. But God knows how you lived your life. And you see people who who lived their life for themselves and they didn't know Jesus Christ and their loved ones are grieving. And and there's this guttural cry and there's this despair at the funeral, at the home-going service because there's no hope there. But for the believer, when the believer dies and goes home, we all have a celebration. We all rejoice in the Lord. Were you here with Jordan Gibbs? We just had a good time rejoicing in the Lord because believers don't die. Believers go to sleep. Believers don't die. Believers transfer. Believers don't die. Believers go to change addresses. We change, that's all we change addresses. That's all we go from here, we go to there. And, and those that come to the memorial service, they rejoice and there's a joy because we know someday in heaven we will be there and in heaven with them and there's no sickness there, there's no sorrow, there's no pain. In heaven there won't be any cancer and all of your loved ones, your grandma, your grandpa and family members who died of cancer and you've watched them and cancer has eaten up their bodies and, 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 and destroyed them rack that outer man, that inward man, that spiritual man is in heaven with Jesus Christ if they knew the Lord when they died. And you ought to be happy about that. And in heaven, the Bible says, in heaven, we'll study war no more. What's that mean? There won't be any wars in heaven. What's going on in Japan? People won't be dying, thousands of people dying because earthquakes in Japan. That won't happen. You know, people said to me, oh, Pastor Rodney, you think that that Jesus is coming back because of what happened in Japan? I said, I don't know. I will tell you. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour, but I will tell you this. I will tell you that those are birth pangs that we've been talking about for weeks that before the coming of the Lord, the earth is going to have birth pangs. Just like a woman you know, you're about ready to give birth to the baby and it's that time and the baby's about to come and you, you just out of nowhere, you could be out to dinner, nice dinner, all dressed up, you're like, oh! The baby just, get, you, you know what I'm saying, you, you, finna, you look like you, you got five days, you look like you're ready to go right now. Let me hurry up with this sermon. Uh, and get into the doctor in the house. <laughs> but you know, and that, birth, that first one, this is your third, third. And you know, that first one comes, you go, ooh. And then the next one, an hour, two hours later, ooh. And it starts to get, ooh, and closer and closer and more intense and harder and harder and harder. Before you know, the water breaks and you're off to the hospital ready to give birth. 
That is what I think is happening in the world today. I think that right now, the world today is in labor. And I think birth pains are happening, and we're seeing it in the cosmos. Last week, it was 85, 90 degrees, folks walking around in flip-flops and T-shirts, and I'm like, oh, great. The spring's here, summer's coming. I'm about ready just about God's my living witness. I'm just about to move my, my winter stuff to the back of the closet. Where my people at? And your, and, your, and your summer stuff to the front of the closet. And just I'm about to do that, I hear the weatherman say, and next week, it's going to be 32 degrees. Get your parkas out. It's going to be so cold. I'm like, what in the world is going on? The Bible says that's a sign of the end times. Jesus is coming soon. And we need to be ready because we can take our last breath and take your next breath. The rapture of the church, that being said, the rapture of the church could happen at any time. Any time. Any moment. In a twinkling of an eye, the trumpet shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them, and so shall we ever go to be with the Lord forever. Any moment. So we need to be ready to, because we can see the face of Jesus at any moment. This Thursday, I'll come in for a landing right here. This Thursday, I was uh, visiting with Patty Brewer. You guys remember Patty Brewer? And, um, and for those of you that may not, because she's been sick for quite some time, Patty has cancer. And uh, Patty, she's the sweetest lady. And she's a little lady. I always call her PLP, Patty Little Package, because she's just a little package. And she used to call me FP, favorite pastor. And I used to tell her, no, I'm not FP, I'm OP, only pastor. She'd go, okay. We had our own little language there. So Thursday, I went to Syria. I took a trip to Israel, took a trip to India. I bought her things. I think about her, pray about her, pray, about, pray for her, pray with her, think about her all the time, sent her cards and everything. I went to visit her in hospice Thursday. And I gave her the gifts and shocking, shocking when I saw her. And I grabbed her by the hand and just sat there by the bed and we talked, and by the time it was time for us to leave, my, my wife was with me and uh, Pastor Jim. And um, I said, well, let, let's pray. So we prayed, I prayed, and then Pastor Jim prayed, and then my wife prayed, and then Patty prayed. And this has never happened. I never, ever, this has never happened. I felt when, she, when Patty prayed, it felt as if Jesus was right there. Like he was in the room. Like she knew that any breath, the next one could be in the presence of the Lord. She knew that. And she was happy about that and content. content. And the, although the outward man perished, the inward man was strong and patty. And she knew that I'll be with Jesus at any time. When she prayed, she talked to him as if he was right there. The only thing I could say is that it was tangible. I've been thinking about this all weekend. The only word I can come up with is tangible, that he was right there. And she prayed as if he was right there. You could hear in her prayer the reality 
that she knew that any time now she'll be in heaven. And she could also hear in her prayer, she knew any time she could be in heaven and that she would be cancer free when she gets there. She knew that. And, you know, we went there. I went there. You go, it'd be a blessing to her. She blessed me. She blessed me. And her faith and her um, knowledge of the reality of heaven and the reality of Christ and the reality that we could all see him face to face put mine to shame. And she ministered to me. So I'm going to read something, and I want you to listen closely, quietly. This one's for you, Patty. The Fork. There was a woman who had been diagnosed with cancer and had been given three months to live. Her doctor told her to start making preparations to die, something we all should be doing all the time. And so she contacted her pastor, and she had him come to her house to discuss certain aspects of her final wishes. She told him which songs she wanted sung at the service, what scriptures she liked read, and what she wanted to be wearing. The woman also told her pastor that she wanted to be buried with her favorite Bible. Everything was in order, and the pastor was preparing to leave when the woman suddenly remembered something very important to her. Oh, there's one more thing, she said excitedly. What's that? came the pastor's reply. Oh, this is very important, the woman continued. I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. Well, the pastor stood looking at the woman, not knowing quite what to say. That shocks you, doesn't it? The woman asked. Well, to be honest, I'm puzzled by the request, said the pastor. The woman explained. In all of my years of attending church socials and functions where food was involved, and let's be honest, food is an important part of church events, spiritual or otherwise. My favorite part was when whoever was clearing away the dishes of the main course would lean over and say, you can keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew that something better was coming. When they told me to keep my fork, I knew that something great was about to be given to me. It wasn't jello or pudding. It was cake or pie, something with some substance. So I just want people to see me in the casket with a fork in my hand, and I want them to wonder, what's with the fork? And then I want you, Pastor, to tell them, Something better is coming, so keep your fork too. The pastor's eyes welled up with tears of joy as he hugged the woman goodbye. He knew this would be the last time he would see her before her death, but he also knew that the woman had a better grasp of heaven than he did. She knew that something better was coming. At the funeral, people were walking by the woman's casket, and they saw the pretty dress she was wearing and her favorite Bible and the fork placed in her right hand, and over and over the pastor heard the question, what's with the fork? And over and over he smiled. During his message, the pastor told the people of the conversation he had with the woman shortly before she died. He also told them about the fork and about what it symbolized to her. The pastor told the people how he could not stop thinking about the fork, and he told them that they probably would not be able to stop thinking about it either. And he was right. So the next time you reach down for your fork, let it remind you oh so gently that something better is coming. better. Something better is coming. 
And why do we get so caught up in this, this world, the things of this world, when this is not your home? Something's better coming. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and where I am, you're going to be with me. I'll come and take you with me. You'll be with me. Something better is coming. Whatever you're going through, something better is coming. And may we live our lives with that in our minds that, you know, we could take our last breath. You don't have to have cancer and be sick and be in hospice to take your last breath and to be in the presence of the Lord just like that. You don't know the day nor the hour. No man knows the day nor the hour when they will leave this earth. And therefore, it's imperative to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and to know him today. I'm not asking you to, or telling you it's imperative that you go to church. I'm telling you it's imperative that you know Jesus. That you're a Christian. That you're born again. And if you are, then live like it. Because Jesus is coming soon. Amen, saints. Jesus is coming soon. I want you to clap your hands. Would you do that? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.